0: One of the bigger things that we we feel like is going to be completely disruptive in the industry is the way that the current worker thinks and how it is that they want to work. It generally is, I want to work when I want to work. I want to do things on my schedule, on my terms. So We've started to think about how we can facilitate that in our business.
1: Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity, with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Higher Ground, Higher Ground is a technology company whose mission is to bridge the wealth gap through access to procurement opportunities. Higher Ground is making the enterprise ecosystem more viable, profitable, and competitive by clearing the path for minority led, women led, LGBT led, and veteran led small businesses to contribute to the global economy as suppliers to enterprise organizations. For more information on getting started, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H I R E G R O U N D.io. Now on to the episode. Hello,
2: everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. You're joined again by your two favorite hosts. I'm Adam Moore here with Chloe Goodry-Reed, and today we're welcoming Mark Wilson, President and CEO of Chime Solutions. Mark is a tenured veteran of the business world with over 30 years of experience. He has been the President and CEO of multiple companies and has now shifted his energy to Chime Solutions, where he works to transform service and empower the lives of his clients. Mark, welcome to the show today. So glad to have you on with us. Thanks, Adam.
0: I'm excited to be here. Really, um, uh, I love Chloe and what she's doing, and uh, so um, excited to be here and to to participate and share um, today.
2: So that's one thing Mark and I have in common. Chloe has brought us both to this program, so, you know. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes. Well, I I love and admire both of you. So that's, that's oh, there you here go. Are. So that's 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 what it is.
2: We, we can play six degrees from Chloe later on. It should be high. Yeah, exactly. That.
1: So, Mark, let's let's get into it. Tell us all about Chime Solutions and what's Chime's mission.
0: Well, Chime Solutions is in the business process outsourcing space. Uh, what we do is provide great customer service for our clients, which which really includes. Um, a lot of, of brands that we all know um, and are familiar with, um, you know, Fortune 50, Fortune 5, even um, companies that are our uh, customers today. And we're just mm-hmm. going about it a little bit differently than those that, that operate um, in the same space that we do with, with you know, in the uh, BPO, um, with trying to do as much as we can with our people and having an impact on them and by extension, an impact on the community.
1: I love that. I love that. It's a people first mindset.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Which I
1: think absolutely. which I think is the key to any successful business. But oftentimes leaders think of their customers first as opposed to their people first.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I just think that, that that's common mistake in my mind, uh, that that you know business leaders make and that they don't um customers are definitely important. You gotta do what you got to do to to make sure that they're they're satisfied and happy. But that gets done through people.
1: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. You know, and it seems like a lot of the articles I'm seeing now on some of the different uh, business and leadership outlets that are out there, it does seem that you're seeing a focus on people first, people first, understand your people, hire the right people, let them kind of help define what's going on. And the success and the money comes organically from that relationship that's being built, which is definitely a way different mantra, leadership, manager mindset than maybe 10 years ago, maybe even as soon as five years ago, it does seem that it's shifting that, you know, we're even, we're teaching the leaders of tomorrow. It's like people first, and then the customers and everything else will, will come and stay as a result of that, of of the, the culture you're building inside your own company.
0: Yeah. I completely agree that that's the method. It's, it's, um, I feel fortunate in the companies that I've had the, the, the good fortune of um, operating with running, owning, um, that that's been the, the way that we've always done it. And it's just not new for us. We've, we've always sort of realized that, you know, people are the key.
1: And so, you know, I, I want to share just, I mean, I know your story, but Mark, I'd love for you to kind of share with our audience and our listeners how you got to Chime and sort of the evolution of your career and how it shapes how you operate just your business and run, just, you know, deciding where and how you're going to grow.
0: Yeah. Thanks for that question, Chloe, because I mean, I think, um, you know, my story really, uh, I I'd like for it to be inspirational for those, um, particularly those that are, um, in the minority community, uh, to be encouraged about what's possible uh, when mm-hmm. you take advantages, take advantage of, of opportunities that are being presented or that present themselves to you. But, um, you know, really, I got started in this business by working corporately for Dunham Brand Street. I worked at DMB for a lot of years, upwards of twenty years, and um, and grew up in the the business that I operate today. You know, I was yeah. internal to them, working in the call center world, and learned everything that I could and and uh, about the the industry, and then had an opportunity to start a company to be a partner for them when they made a decision to outsource the work that mm-hmm. was what had been done internally. Uh, and so we were able to do that and, and you know, turn that opportunity to a, a sizable going concern, sizable business and, and the first company that we own called Ryla Teleservices. Mm-hmm. And we started that business literally in my basement and over 10 mm-hmm. years, um, you know, grew it from, from there to, you know, several locations around the U.S. and mm-hmm. nearly 3000 folks and, you know, Uh, pretty uh, healthy top-line revenue uh, uh, over time. And it got to a place where we sold that company in 2010. And and it just led to, you know, other opportunities. We bought another business in the background, screening business, and then I had a chance to get back into what we're doing now in outsourcing and and BPO services uh, and put my team back together after the first company. Most of the folks that grew up with me over there are with us now, which is, Which is also unique. Um, You know, we we, we've added some new uh, team members at a senior level, but we have a core of a team that's been together for more than twenty years now, and it's you know that's a rarity, and I think it makes us in positions as well to do what we're doing for our clients right now.
2: So, and and then what in that? So when you when you started Chime and you're looking at all this and it what. What did you see? And, and I always find this to be interesting because this is something that I work on with my proteges. And what is it that you saw in the marketplace? And you're like, ah, I think we have a, an in here. I think we can be, uh, you know, I think we can, can be competitive in this market. Because, you know, a lot of times I'm talking to entrepreneurs and they get very much um, I, I don't want to say jaded, but they look at corporate America and they're like, well, you already have five of what I produce. Why am I even? Why am I even talking to you, right? Um, because and, and that takes a bit of boldness, right? But kind of talk to us a little bit, Mark, about that mindset. When you saw something, what was it you saw in the market and said, ah, okay, I, we can work in this space. And then how do you then, when you were talking to a corporate or another company, right? Because I mean, the services are ubiquitous, so to speak, right? How do you then position Chime to be a challenger in that, uh, in that market?
0: Yeah, these are, um, uh, it's another great question because I think folks can um, learn from this, but I saw how corporate America and the, and the corporate infrastructure worked because I worked in it and I saw the things that I knew that if I did them differently than that would would breed success. We talked about some of that at the outset of this, uh, this show with the the people first a lot of companies a lot of big corporates say and um say that they're people first and they try to do things but in a real way the the corporate infrastructure as much as it is makes it hard for them to be really personal with people and i saw an opportunity for us to be that uh, and that and that would be a distinguishing factor is is that corporations when they deal with their clients? it is a big ship you know it's like you hear you hear this um, uh, analogy or term where you, you can't turn can't turn the ship in the middle of the ocean i don't know why <laughs> right don't know, right a battle so they, a
2: battleship has a 10 mile turn radius yeah so
0: right. it's, it, it's 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 with you know, and they can't move um swiftly on things and so you know i saw that as an opportunity for us to be you know really scrappy and and for we we could do things for our customers in real time that big companies couldn't do so those two things were the things that i saw were real openings for you know a business that i could start and be successful with
1: right right and i would also say and obviously i i know chime very well but i would also say the other sort of thing that differentiates them is the economic development component i mean mark has built offices and and moves into cities to create economic opportunity and, you know, underserved communities to help with job creation. I mean, that is an opportunity for corporations to not only, you know, by working with Chime, they are also serving some of these communities that they have a presence. So, I mean, I think that. It's it's a twofold approach, obviously, the things that, that Mark mentioned, but there's the intangible things of the economic development pieces in, in some of these areas that are underserved.
0: It's for sure a separator for us. Um, and I think, you know, I said this just a second ago, companies, you know, say um, that they're about people and about making a difference and whatever. And it's really hard when you when you test that, uh, to to get tangible evidence that it really there's really something being done, and um, you know, to Chloe's point, our, our mission has been we're going to with intention put our, put, put our footprints in underserved communities. So we're going to go where there's talent and where there's need for the work, and try to marry those two to our customers' benefit and it has worked out it's worked out so perfectly because you know when you go and you find folks that you know just because they live in a part of town where there isn't any investment there isn't even public transport for them to be in a situation to you know to to put their talents to to use then you get you know stagnation unemployment and you get all these things that folks you know assign different reasons for why that exists and really, at the core of it is lack of investment. That we've seen that if we if we just invest and put our you know put our center in this in the center like so, what we've done um, now we have a ten thousand job goal, trying to uh, creating ten thousand jobs around the U.S. in underserved communities. But right now, with footprints in uh, South South Atlanta, South Dallas, and then in Charlotte as well. Um, Quickly uh, expanding into Baltimore, Memphis, where we've done some stuff at home in both those cities now, but all urban centers where there's rich talent, but where this this dynamic exists, of uh, it's hard for folks to get to where the work is. So.
2: right. No, and and Mark, I don't know if you noticed uh, when you said intentionality, Chloe and I smiling at each other, but you mm-hmm. use one of the two words that we love on this show, and that is intentionality and understanding the why behind something. And I, I absolutely love it when I have other business owners go, you work and you perform and you execute with intentionality. And that is amazing. And it shows, right? It absolutely shows. The areas that you're mentioning, huge underrepresented, underserved areas that need help. And the only way to help is to put businesses in there that are viable, that can have an economic impact, that can lift up the entire community through spending inside its own community. That is an amazing formula and it's such a recipe for success. That is just awesome.
0: Yeah, and we're finding great success with it right now. And, you know, and I, I think our corporate partners, those that we serve as our clients are really, to Chloe's point, you know, really getting the benefit of, you know, they're getting not only great customer service. But they're also um, getting the um, the opportunity to really make an impact in communities that they say that they want to impact because they're the they have the responsibility we we have to give them the credit I'll say of creating the job that that's, that's facil- facilitating all of this so everybody's winning in it. There's, there's no, the, the outcomes are good for everybody. And that's, that's the beauty of the model.
2: Love it. I love it. And it's sustainable. It's a sustainable model, which is the other great thing. That's awesome.
1: So Mark, um, talk to us a little bit about sort of the challenges and potential opportunities of being a minority-owned business.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's, when you talk about these things and it's kind of similar to everything that has to do with conversations around race, and, um, and disparity and inequality, you know, for those that are in the majority, in a lot of cases, it's just hard to believe. You just don't believe that, it, you know, that what the folks that are being impacted say, you know, and it's not until you have a George Floyd type of moment, right. that, you know, that folks start to really realize and have an understanding that the playing field really is not not even. Mm-hmm. And, and that there has to be some things that are done, um, you know, to try to help, uh, you know, put a correction in place. The thing is, for most minority owned businesses, and, and I'll ask your question, I just think this, this preface to it is important. Totally. I, I, you know, I don't I don't think that there's any minority business owner that I know who's looking to to get work or, or to be supported, you know, through rewarding of contracts or whatever for anything other than their merit.
2: Mm-hmm. No, no, one's, mm-hmm. Agreed. no, no
0: one's looking for a handout. So, but the, the key to all of this, and this is the answer to your question, uh, Chloe, is that we're, we're not necessarily all the time being judged on our merit. There is a pre, preconceived notion about you as a minority-owned business when you enter the arena and, and, that, and, and entering into the arena a step behind you know, makes makes it, it makes it difficult and makes it difficult for you to navigate and win. And so um that 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 to me is, you know, at, at a high level is the biggest challenge is that we start, you know, we start less than in, in a lot of cases with a pre preconceived notion about what we are or aren't or are not, you know, relative to the opportunity. And so I just think, you know, there has to be more uh and i think this will happen i think we're in a moment now where there are opportunities being provided and what's going to happen is that you're gonna have these minority owned businesses I think this is happening perform and then it'll be this George Floyd epiphany it's like oh wow
2: yeah yeah
0: you know yeah they, they, I mean they these guys really can do this and it really is a good business decision right. here. Right. You <laughs> know, <laughs> let's let's go do this, you know. Yeah. Cool community working
2: on if this was church i'd be standing up and tell you amen preach it because i can't tell you as a supplier diversity manager how many times i have a conversation with a service manager and they go hey we just don't know who they are i mean they're a small business yeah they're a risk we just can't take the risk what he's saying is i can't risk my own job on taking a chance on somebody right and and that right there so i get mark like where you guys are getting frustrated then you have the corporate champions like myself that are getting frustrated and all of us get in a room and are just frustrated over (laughs) over trying to promote and move the needle on the use of minority businesses in corporate america and again i think it comes back to something you said the structure internally the way corporate america corporates are just built makes it tough right i i can't tell you how many times i've heard nobody got fired for hiring one of the big four consulting agencies and unfortunately that's the truth, but we 're all facing, right? So I love these honest conversations because this is the type of stuff that we as supplier diversity advocates can take back to our corporate leadership and so see our minority firms do get it. they understand the pains that we have, and they can help us alleviate it you know so it takes it takes you guys being as persistent and as dogged as you are. I love it. you said you were scrappy earlier, I love that but here's my message to my fellow brothers and sisters in corporate supplier diversity. We got to be scrappy too. We can't just hit that wall, have the service manager go, eh, I don't know who they are. Move on. No, no is only a beginning point in a negotiation, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. We have to keep the conversations back to George, George Floyd and everything that happened last summer. We have to keep the conversations going. We can't have a conversation, let it die. And then all of us stand around and go, what happened? We all have to keep the conversations going.
0: Well, I will tell you that um, I've been really uh, refreshingly impressed with some of the, um, you know, we talk about this word it being intentional. Companies are being intentional. Um, and while they're, they're vetting us and taking us through the, you know, the whole process, which we want, you know, we learned from all of that. Um, but we are getting the opportunity. So then here's what is, is key too, because this is a two, two-sided coin. Companies like ours, when, are, when we get the opportunity, we have to, you know, we have to excel, we have to perform. Otherwise it becomes, see, I told you, or, and, and then the other guy that's behind me doesn't get a chance because, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't responsible and didn't do what I was supposed to do. So I think we're in a moment right now where opportunities are being provided. You know, our plan as a company is to take full advantage of those for all of the reasons that I've mentioned. We think it's important for our people and what it does to the community. We also think we have a responsibility to, to carry the banner for our fellow MBEs so that they get opportunities behind us. And then, you know, at the end of the day, the customers are deserving. They're providing the opportunity. We have to do the work and be sure that they're getting what they're paying for.
1: Right. So. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I, I just want to shift gears here really quickly um, and talk a little bit about legacy. I mean, we we talked uh, last week with uh, Michael Russell and family legacy and. I just um am really inspired by what you Mark and Shelly, have been doing just with their own kids. Talk to us a little bit about the intentionality around bu- building a family legacy.
0: Yeah, um Chloe, I, this this for me is is really, you know, personal because if I reflect back on my own uh, upbringing and like right now I'm, I'm friends, I have friends that I've known from for the entirety of my life. Like all of my life, as long as I've known who I am, I there's a number of people that I've known for that for that time frame and 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 that that really informs or guides, you know, what Shelly and I have tried to do with our with our own family. And then by extension, our corporate, our company family is that we have to provide the right example and the and the right structure for people to grow because that what it does then lead to is the breaking of some breaking down of some of these legacy challenges that our our community faces. Uh, you know the, the easy and quick way to say this, and again, Chloe, I have a lot of prefaces to before answering the question, but I, I just think it's important to have this kind of context of things um, you know um, for, um, for our, uh, our, our children, you know I, I just think back to. If I didn't get out of where I grew up, and I grew up in the Elm Grove Housing Projects of Fort Smith, Arkansas. So I'm a product of, you know, of everything that you can think of from a, a modesty standpoint. And I can look back and see now, you know, referring to these people I've known all my life, there are a lot of examples for common to all of us where we look back and we can see that, you know, most of us didn't have a Father in our home. It was mostly single moms, and you know, and that's just real. That's what it was, and and the challenges that come out of that. And some, when you go back, I can I can go home now, and I can see that you know uh, a lot of the breaks that that were afforded me haven't been necessarily afforded uh, to to them, and and so it continues. And so until you get to a place, if I'm saying this to say that if I were still in a situation. Uh, where I didn't break out of the housing projects enforcement, then my children would likely not be in the situation that they're in now. So it's so important for us to break, have breakthrough. So, you know, and and so for Shelly and I, it's definitely instilling in our children that, you know, that they're capable, they're smart, they, they're they on par with anybody, they can do anything in the world and not have that be a cliche, but have that be real and have real honest conversations and encourage them to do that. And then that's what's happening. We, we expect that that's going to continue genera- generationally. My son just had our first uh, grandchild. Um, oh, congratulations. Yeah.
1: Congratulations. Yeah. Cameron is
0: uh, 16 months now and she's just the joy of all of our lives. And and representative of what we think is going to be the continuation of, you know, of, a, a long line of success with our, with our, our family. And we, we're trying to do that with our company. We're trying to empower the people here to reach their full potential Uh, So that they can have those same kind of outcomes with their children and then their children and then their children. But we have to build we have to start building success because that what happens with that success is more success, follow on success. So, you know, a lot of words there. But, you know, I just think it's we can't uh, of the things that are important. This is probably at the top of the list. For us as a business as a, and a family is to try to have impact here where we start to break some break down some of these um, uh, legacy things that have happened that are not so positive for our community.
2: That's awesome. That's awesome. And then by doing what you were talking about about working with the the other underserved communities that helps break that cycle too. So that's amazing. That 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 with that foresight and that vision I mean, you're helping change lives and stories of not just your family but. Multiple families. Right. And that's and now we're talking about multi multi-generational change as well, too. And, you know, that's the type of stuff that's exciting to talk to somebody about. And I cannot um, just congratulate you enough on that vision and that intentionality. I'm absolutely just kind of awestruck by it. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for it. it um, it's not hard for us. Um, we we enjoy it. We love seeing people get to that, get to their full that reaching their full potential, or or even on the path to it, you know, we can see the learnings that are happening along the way, and you know, you know, things like you know, providing opportunities for folks to learn and be educated on the the value of um, the importance of owning a home, and then putting them in position to where they do that, and what that means to you know, the children that are going to be in that home—a stable environment is these are things that are all the source of joy for us as a family of Shelley and I, as, as a uh, couple, in which we've been, Shelley and I have been together for and married for, we just celebrated August 1st, our 34th wedding anniversary. So.
1: Wow. Ooh, wow. Congratulations, congratulations on that. On that too. Yeah. Congratulations.
0: That's yeah. a, you know, it's a, a, I guess a passing point here, but a really important one, you know, we have to, you know, establish, you know, family structure that that's really, um, you know, uh, supportive of, of kids, you know, reaching, you know, reaching their full potential. So.
1: How how do you foster the, the family environment within the workplace? Because you've you've mentioned that a couple of times about not only caring for your family and the communities that you serve, but how do you internally create sort of this culture of, you know, family and togetherness? Obviously, having a team that you've been working right. with since yes. Rila obviously helps. But as you continue to grow and expand, how how do you continue to keep that that family feel intact?
0: We, we live it out as a family day to day, you know. So if you were to come in the conversations like. If, I, I think if you think of a traditional family and the role that the father generally plays in, in the in the house is he's the, you know. The mom will say, "Wait, wait till, wait till your, wait till your dad comes home." Kind of thing, right? You know.
2: (laughs) We um, all heard those statements, (laughs) right? You know, so yes, yes,
0: and that's just an indication of the the authority uh, figure that that the father brings to to it. And then you have, you know, the the glue and the you know all the thought thoughtful um, things that get done in a company or in a house. It's generally associated with the the mom or the mother, and and I definitely play those roles out in our company every day the, the communication is open and honest all of the time. There's no one that's walking around unclear about where they stand <laughs> it's, it's, you know like our children have never been you know and the expe- right. And right. the expectations are always very high, but there's always at the at the end of it. Love and understanding that there is that we care about you, and that none of this is uh, for artificial things it's all about a purpose that we all play and are trying to serve uh you know in our company so um we just live it out like a family we it doesn't it doesn't get treated any differently, you know, like in your day to day family you, you know you don't get along every day, we say that no. you know. <laughs> You know, you're 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 they're going to be days that you don't like me as your father. You know, you know, so so to speak. So, um, I, you know, uh, but at the end of the day, you know that I love you, and that whatever it is that we're we're talking about has to do with that, and nothing um, nothing but that. So, anyway, that's that's how how it happens every day here.
1: How, this is the last question, it's how do you continue to just be innovative? You know, you're, you're moving, you're, you, you bringing on new clients, you know, keeping the culture intact. How do you continue to be innovative at time?
0: Well, I try to keep, keep read uh, up, read up on what's happening and pay attention to what's going on. But I also, we also do things to, to, to surround ourselves with things that are current. And different ways of thinking. My my daughter actually represents this in our company, right? So she's of the fresh mindset and knows all the stuff that's happening out there. And one of the bigger things that we we feel like is going to be completely disruptive in the industry is the way that the current worker thinks and how it is that they want to work. It generally is I want to work when I want to work. And at the times that I want to, I want to do it. I want to do things on my schedule, on my terms. So we we've started to think about how we can facilitate that in our business, and my daughter is leading that effort. And we developed uh, we developed an app uh, that's called Chime In, and now we're allowing. I love, love that. that.
1: So cute. I uh, love that. You know, so, so creative.
0: I mean, at the end of the day, what it basically does is allows for, you know, a person. We have a big problem in the industry where fifteen. 10 to 15% of the folks don't come to work on a day-to-day basis for a variety of reasons. So we have to plug that gap. So now we've got these, you know, um, uh, cohorts of students. We've gone to universities, trained the students on those projects. And now when a person doesn't come to work, the hours are put up in the app. The app then notifies the students that the work is available and they can work when they want to, just on their terms, Uh, it's, you know... So I mean we just try to that is genius.
1: That's really cool. That is completely genius. I mean genius.
2: that that expands your worker footprint infinitely. I mean that's absolutely amazing.
1: But it's also training up a whole new generation yeah. on how you know to do y'all's business, and uh-huh. and training them exactly how you want it done. So I mean, we
0: started with HBC- We started with HBCUs too, which is certain black colleges. I love it. Which is another another you know kind of angle on this is that you're now giving you know, um, students that may not get the advantage of others, the opportunity to get ahead and get exposed to some of these big corporate brands that we're doing business with is, you know, kind of building a pipeline for them as well. So,
2: yeah. yeah. And you're building the resume too, which is crucial for these kids coming out of school. Right. I mean, absolutely. I'm reading articles too, going, you know, kids can't get jobs out of school because they don't have enough experience for the, you know, the entry level jobs. And I'm just finding that incredible. But this that's amazing because now they've got a few lines on their resume, right? And that helps them be prepared, not just having had work, but having had the experience that they can, you know, show. That's yeah. amazing.
0: Yeah. We're working directly with these corporates too, to have, to have them be pipelines for them. So they would have learned about, you know, the customer experience and be a great candidate to work for that company beyond graduation. So
2: uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. I love it. Wow. I love it. How inspiring. I love it. This is the way you start a morning with a conversation like this. This is amazing.
1: Yes, yes. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Mark. Yeah. No. You can keep up with Mark and Chime Solutions at www.chimesolutions.com. Be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn at Chloe Reed and Adam Moore and Mark Wilson. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out our previous shows and stay tuned next time. Thank you.
0: Thank you guys.